Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a pleasure with no breaks, I'm invincible, yeah I would never single gay, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah I'm unstoppable today. April 13th, 2023, welcome everybody to the Women and Money Podcast. And everybody smart enough to listen. This is the KT and Susie ask anything, any way, any way, anyhow. <laughs> Do you know why she's a little bit off there? I'm, I mean, not, let me I'm t- not off. I'm not off. No, but let me just tell you. So we sit down to do this podcast and she's on her iPhone. Wait, I'm on my iPhone. I'm going, hmm. Oh, hmm. Susie said, what are you doing? I said, Nothing. And I said, are you ready? And she said, yeah. She said, what are you doing? What's this? Hmm. Hmm. And I said, I'm looking up radish recipes. <laughs> so that's what we're doing right now. Just so you know, radish recipes. Okay. I have an abundant of radishes from my garden and I don't really eat radishes. So I'm figuring out well, what Well, if you I don't do eat them. radishes, I don't eat radishes. Why did we grow radishes? Because Barbara puts them on avocado toast and it's delicious. Tell everybody who Barbara is. My my sister, my little sister. <laughs> so because she has a little sister, everybody that eats radishes, the little sister that happens to live in Colorado, <laughs> we in our garden no, but here good on for the you. island grow radishes. And with that... KT, a few things I just want to say before we begin. So one week from today, guess what we're doing? <laughs> you should see her face. A week from today? Week what from, are we doing? We are replaying the webinar oh, that yeah. I did a few weeks ago where over 66,000 people watched it for one full hour. And so many of you have requested it that, in fact, we will be replaying it again on April 20th. All you have to do is go to suzyorman.com slash webinar. Sign up there. It's free. It will air at 6 p.m. East Coast time, 3 o'clock on Pacific time, and I'm sure there will be replays. I just want to say to everybody, however, since I did that webinar, especially with a few stocks, PXD being one of them, it has skyrocketed since then. So just if you watch it, take into consideration the advice that I was giving two weeks ago has not changed, but that 
it's it's a little bit it's different. It's been tweaked. It's been it's got to be tweaked, but I can't tweak it because it's not live anymore. But so, it's packed with great information. If you missed it, make sure you watch it again. All right. So, well, no, KT. If they missed it, how do they watch it again? Make sure you watch it. There we go. Radishes and all. Girlfriend, okay, what do you got I have for me a today? stack of questions in front of me. So, Susie, first question is from E.T. Hello, Susie. Is it from outer space? <laughs> no, just an E.T. E. Hello, Susie. Do e. we? E.T. No. Home. E.T. said home. Call home? Yeah. Oh. Okay, ready? Do we still have to prepare a will even though our assets are only the CDs at Alliant? We rent an apartment. We both have a paid-for car. I have my own account, and my beneficiary is my daughter. He has four kids from a previous marriage. They're all adults. Thank you very much for your help. So, E.T., here's the simple answer, which is, as long as all your beneficiaries are not minors, you can just leave that money to them via a pay-on-death account, and it's that simple, and you don't need a will. However, you might want to listen to one of my podcasts on why you should absolutely still have the must-have documents. K.T., next question. Okay, Susie, next question is from Kimberly. Hi, Susie. What are your thoughts on a second to die <laughs> life insurance policy? Katie, there's nothing funny minute. about a second to die. But does a second to die, it means you die twice. I don't get this. Wait, what are your <laughs> thoughts on a second to die life insurance policy as a means to fund a special needs trust once the parents of an autistic child have died? I don't know what a second to die life insurance policy Should is. Should this be your quizzy? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just tell me what is it. All right. So KT and everybody else, a second to die life insurance policy really is also known as a survivorship policy. Oh. It's this kind of type of life insurance policy that covers two people, but pays out at the death of only after both of you have passed away. A lot of people get second to die policies when they have a huge estate that's above the estate tax limits. However, it's also a great idea to do exactly what this person asked about. Because the benefit of using a second to die life insurance policy to fund a special needs trust is that it can provide a lump sum of money to the trust after both parents have passed away. And this can ensure to help that their child, who has special needs, will have financial support for the rest of his or her life. Now, the truth is, you may be thinking, KT, well, why don't they just each get a separate life insurance policy? Why do they both need to have one life insurance policy and it only pays when they both die? Mm. And the answer to that is, it's more affordable than individual life insurance policies for each parent. So here's the bottom line. If you have a child that is on SSI, you can't not 
leave them money outright or they'll be kicked off of SSI and it will be a mess. So you create a special needs trust for them and you fund it in whatever way you can. But if you don't have the money to fund it and you need to still take care of that child or children, this is a great way to do it if you happen to be married. Katie, okay, wait, next- wait. Did that make sense to you now? It does make sense. Now I understand what it actually means. Yeah. So this next question from Regina, I'm titling it, To Remodel or Not. (laughs) Did you like that? To Remodel or Not. I heard that, KT. I didn't somehow think that it was as funny as you think it is. She has the biggest smile on her face. What do you find so cute about that? To Remodel or Not. Okay, ready? That's a Shakespearean (laughs) title. I am 55 years old. Wait, wait, stop. What does that mean? How is that Shakespearean? I want you to explain that. To remodel or not. What is it? What does it come from? To what? To da 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 or what? You don't know. All right. Why me, everybody? All right. It's one of those days. It started with those radishes. Okay, go on. Okay. I am 55 years old. I'm a homeowner. I have 32000 left to pay on my home. My only other debt is 11000 on a credit card with zero interest, which I pay $485 a month. I have a one-year emergency fund, 11000 in additional bank account savings that include the Alliance Savings Account. I have three Roth accounts, Mutual fund, she goes on and on. So she's got all in with her TSP Roths about 150000 plus a traditional IRA with about 300000 right, but Katie, so, but wait, wait, stop. Seriously, for a second. This is a woman who's 55 years of age, right? She still owes $32,000 on, on her, her home. She still has $11,000 of credit card debt, which means she still spends more than she should be, even though she has about, would you say, four or $500,000 in savings altogether. Mm-hmm. All right, go on. I would like to know, well, first, let me finish this. The remodel is estimated to cost fifteen dollars to $20,000. Uh-huh. I would like to know if I should use the funds from one of these accounts or apply for a HELOC. Uh-huh. So she said, Susie, I eagerly await your answer. So to remodel or not, whatever <laughs> that means, Shakespeare, right? But here's the thing, my dear Regina, in this type of an interest rate environment, the last thing you would ever want to do is a home equity line of credit. You have money in and accounts, especially Roth accounts. And if I were you, if you were going to remodel, I would do it that way versus a home equity line of credit. However, this is not the time that I would be remodeling, so I would not be doing it. Why? Because inflation is still here. Labor is still high. You still have materials that are high. KT and I can tell you, we just did a little remodel as well, did we not, KT? Mm -hmm. On a condo in Florida, an X turned into 3X. It never fails. So it's not that all it's going to cost you is fifteen to 20000 because you said it's an estimated cost. By the time it's done, it will be forty dollars or $50,000. Or more. <laughs> and you still have $11,000 of credit card debt. Once you have paid off all your credit card debt, 
um, maybe we can consider if you should do what, KT? Remodel or not. There you go. Hi, Susie. I know that you recommend we all wait to take Social Security income at the max rate at age 70. This made sense to me. However, now I'm reading that you have to pay taxes on income over $25,000. i am sure you've considered this in your advice, but can you explain why or how it's still beneficial to wait till 70 to get the extra benefits? Is that a quizzy? No. All right. So listen to me, Vicki. Go back in time in terms of one of the podcasts that I did about Social Security and taxation. The truth of the matter is, if you make over a specific sum of money, depending if you happen to be single or married or whatever, you will owe taxes on a percentage of your social security. The maximum percentage that you will ever owe taxes on is usually 85%. Therefore, it doesn't matter. I'd rather see you do what? Get more money later on in life, a whole lot more money, not just a little bit. You would get almost 76% more if you took it at 70 than if you did at 62. That is a lot of money, Vicki, and all the taxes in the world. If you are not in a high tax bracket, it's not going to matter to you. So just wait till 70. <sighs> Next question is from Alana. Are you exhausted? We're not even like a quarter through my list of questions. I'm not, it's not that I'm exhausted. It's a, I'll tell you what I am. Tell me what you yeah. are. What are you? I've been reading so many emails because, KT, you know I go through the emails. And as well as the questions that many of you are asking on the Women and Money Community app, which, by the way, you could download for free by going to Apple Apps or Google Play, search for Women and Money. And there's a fabulous community there. But some of you are getting the worst information mm-hmm. I have ever read or heard in my life. It makes me so concerned, so concerned, because I am concerned about you. You know, I just have to say this. I'll never forget, because it was just this month, really, you know, back in 2015, believe it or not, eight years ago, that I signed off on the Susie Orman show. Oh, yeah. Right? And I'll never forget at the very end, I wanted to cry. Mm. I didn't want to cry because I was signing off because it was my choice to end it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to cry because I was like, and I said this, who's going to take care of all of you? Where are you going to get correct information so that you get the most out of your money? And then when I hear things like that, I know that it's not Vicky or whatever. It's somebody told her that. And now she's afraid and maybe would have chosen to make a serious mistake by collecting Social Security earlier. That's why you see me like that. Yeah, it's frustrating. No, more than frustrating. It makes me so sad. Mm. Well, then you better keep doing this podcast. I guess so. (laughs) You're never going to I guess so. You better keep doing it with me as long as you're not too busy harvesting (laughs) radishes and looking up recipes so that Barbara, who doesn't even live here, can eat that. All All right. right. (laughs) This is from Alana. Good morning. 
I'm interested in your thoughts of transferring $438,000 from a Roth IRA to a market index annuity. I'm 55. 10-year commitment promises 14% on the first year. Then each year after, I would get 50% of the average of the stock market. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's how they work, or at least this one works. Well, you didn't listen I guess to last Sunday's no, it, podcast, did you? No, I didn't. And that's because you had a house full mm-hmm. of your loved ones there. But this is exactly what that was about, Ilana. Uh, you need to listen seriously to last Sunday's podcast. You are not to do this. You are not to do this. I don't care if your money was in a traditional IRA and you were thinking about doing it into a Roth IRA. That would be the biggest mistake of your life because all 438000 would be taxable to you if it's in a Roth IRA because I never know for sure if you have all of you have your terminology correct. You are not to do this as well because there are fees in an indexed annuity, 14%. Who pays you 14%? Some company that is suckering you in so that they entice you. But yet you have to make a 10-year commitment till you are 65 years of age. Are you kidding me? You are just a few years away from being able to take any money you want if it's in a Roth IRA out without taxes or penalties. You have the ability to do what? Leave it to your beneficiaries upon your death without any taxes or penalties. All because 14% for the first year. And after that, you would get only 50% of the average stock market. So if the market went up 10%, you would get only 5% of that. You're never going to make your money back. You are not to do it. This is one of the worst market indexed annuities I've ever even heard of. Don't do Do it. it. So Judy says, Susie, I read that I should get out of I-bonds now. Please tell me how this is done. How do I cash them in? I need specifics, please. Also, should I wait for three months, meaning July, to do it or now? I bought them last April. Please, Susie, I need your help now. Judy, I am begging you to listen to me. I don't know where you read that you should get out of I-bonds now, but wherever you read that, can you do me a favor? If it's an email or a text, block them from you. (laughs) If it was a newspaper article or a magazine, never read that publication again. That is 100% incorrect advice, especially because you bought them last April. Mm -hmm. You're going to leave your money right there. Do you hear me? Why do you want to get out? Remember, your money is compounding. It's still compounding at a nice rate when everything again is issued come this May. Probably it'll be about three, three and a half percent right around there. We'll see what happens. But all your money then will be making still a great average interest rate. And you're just going to wait and listen till I tell you on this podcast that you should get out of I-bonds. But you are not, repeat with me, my dear Judy, you are not 
going to take money out of I-bonds right now. If you want to make one of the biggest mistakes of your life because you bought last April, very different if you might be buying in the future, but because you bought last April when rates were so great, oh my God, right? Then if you wanted to get money out, all you do is you contact treasurydirect.gov and you redeem your I-bond there, goes directly into your bank account, whatever amount of money that you wanted to redeem, and you will owe a three-month interest penalty on it, along with ordinary income taxes on the interest. So just do me a favor, stop reading whatever it was you were reading, and just continue to listen to the women and money podcast. Okay. Next question says, hello, Susie and KT. And by the way, everybody, so sorry to interrupt you, my love, right? But this Sunday, I will be doing a podcast on if I think you should be buying I-bonds for this auction coming up in May or not, and my philosophy of why I think what I'm thinking. All right, KT. Okay, next question, Susie and KT. My father's retired and has about $20,000 in an IRA. He does not have a 401k, so he will turn 73 next year. What happens if he does not take RMD? What is the penalty? And how will he pay that penalty? Will he have to send a check to the IRS? So here's the thing. When they say RMD, That stands for required minimum distribution. And when they say required, it means it is required. And you're lucky because in 2023, the law changed and the penalty for not taking the required minimum distribution in the year that you need to take it has been reduced from 50% to 25%. However, that penalty can be further reduced to 10% if it's fixed during what they call the correction window. And the correction window begins on the date that the tax is imposed. So that's what you need to know. So it's either the earliest or when you will receive a notice of deficiency mailed to your father and the tax is assessed by the IRS, or the last day of the second tax year after the tax is imposed. That is the official ruling of how it works. But what you need to know, really, is that you need to make sure that he pays it. Mm -hmm. Because why do you want to be penalized? You're not going to get around it. So you will go And if you don't know how to figure it out, go to see a tax person or whatever. It's not going to be that much money because there's only $20,000 in there. So, you know, maybe he'll have to take out $2,000 or whatever it may be, but just make sure that he does it. Okay. Next question is from Andy. Hey, Susie and KT, love you both so much. My dad had a trust and he put everything in it. This backfired on us because his IRA was left to the trust. So we are being told we can't get inherited IRAs 
and now have to pay taxes on the money distributed by the end of five years. Should I just name beneficiaries on my retirement accounts and CDs? The answer to that is no. Listen, again, you can search on the Women in Money app for past podcasts. I did a whole podcast on inherited IRAs and the new laws and why you absolutely, if you have the correct kind of trust, can leave the trust as the beneficiary and not have to take it out in just five years. So all of you should know this. For the trust to be considered valid and legal under state law, which typically means that you created the trust document, it's been witnessed and it's been notarized, which all of you know you need to do, the trust must be irrevocable upon the plan owner's death. That's number one meaning that the listed beneficiaries, the people who are going to get the money, that they can be changed up to the point where the IRA owner passes away, but not after that. All beneficiaries must be easily identified and eligible and legally named. That's what's called a see-through trust. That when you look at the trust, the document, you can see right through it, so to speak, as to who, who is going to get this money. It's really just that simple. So obviously, your father did not have the right kind of trust. Therefore, they're making all of you take the money at the end of five years versus at the end of 10 years. I just also want to say that if your father died at a time when he was old enough to have to take required minimum distributions, since we just had this question here, right? When you have a see-through trust that has many beneficiaries, let's say it's you and your family members, whatever, then rather than all of you having to do the same thing, a lot of times what happens when it's in a see-through trust, which is normally just a good trust that's set up correctly, they're going to split all the inherited IRA separately so that you each have your own just so you know. Mm -hmm. So do not be afraid to have a trust as a beneficiary. However, I will still tell you if you are married, your primary beneficiary of any retirement account should be your spouse. Secondary beneficiary should be the living revocable trust because a spouse has certain benefits that nobody else has. But again, that's all in a past podcast for you. Susie, next question is from Jan. Hi, Susie. I've been listening to your podcast regularly and my question... During the annuities podcast, I heard money placed in an ETF or index market fund withdrawn would be taxable as capital gain. Is there a first in and last out rule that applies to this? <laughs> so I don't know what annuity podcast you were listening to, Jan, <laughs> but I never, ever said that. What did I say? Any money that's in a variable annuity or an indexed annuity, when you go to take money out, will be taxed to you as ordinary income. 
What I said to you is it makes no sense to own a variable annuity within a retirement account. None whatsoever, number one, but it makes no sense as well to own a variable annuity outside of a retirement account. Because if you bought those exact same mutual funds outside of a retirement account or an exchange-traded fund outside of a retirement account, you pay capital gains tax on it once you've owned it for over one year if you go to sell. But if it's in an annuity outside of a retirement account, when you go to withdraw money, it is always ordinary income. And it is not first in, last out. It's last in, first out. Mm. So it's always interest, my love. It is never your principal coming out. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> you know, there was a time, I think in August of 82, they may have changed it. It used to be, right, first in, first out. So I was selling in the 80s so many people into annuities at 14%. Mm -hmm. So we could lock in 14% and they could take out the 10% a year, but the 10% came in from their principal because it was the first in, first out. So it was tax-free. And for 10 years, we took out money tax-free and then the rest was all taxable, but Oh, it was the best thing until they got rid of the that good money. old days. We called them. They were. There's so right. many great ways to make money back then. So this is an interesting question from Rob. Dear Susie and KT, I love your show. We love that you love the show, Rob. You have told us that Treasury bills, notes, and bonds are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government when we buy them at TreasuryDirect.gov. I did not say that. Well, wait. What about when I buy them through a discount brokerage? Do I have to be mindful of SIPC limits, say at Fidelity? Now, no, listen. stop, stop. I want, I want to stop here. Really, let me stop it here. Because I didn't say that, Rob. What I said was no matter where you buy a treasury, it does not have to be from treasurydirect.gov. In fact, treasurydirect.gov is a real pain, if you ask me, to buy anything. You have to buy Series I bonds there because they're not sold anywhere else. But I would not be buying treasury bill bonds or notes from them because, again, they are just archaic. So the truth of the matter is... All you have to know is all treasuries, no matter where you buy them, are backed by the full faith and authority of the United States government. SIPC is about what? It's about if the brokerage firm that you are with happens to go under, but you're going to be fine no matter what if you're in individual treasuries. And KT and I can tell you we have a serious sum of money at a brokerage firm, mm -hmm. many brokerage firms actually, mm -hmm. that um, we have individual treasuries far above any SIPC insurance or anything like that. All right. Susie, it's quizzy time. This is a really, really easy quizzy. Okay, I'm ready. Is yeah. everyone else ready? Right. <laughs> so this is where I ask all of you a question. You need to think about it and answer it, because this is how we educate you to make sure that you are listening to what I am trying to teach you. So answer a question as if you were me. Hi, Susie and KT. Love your podcasts. I have a Roth IRA at Vanguard. 
I would like to open a new Roth IRA at Alliant Credit Union. Mm -hmm. Would my new Roth at Alliant have a new five-year wait period to withdraw earnings? Also, I assume I could have Vanguard transfer some funds to my new Roth IRA at Alliant, correct? So the real question here, everybody, is, as you know, when it comes to a Roth IRA, you can withdraw any money that you originally put in at any time without taxes or penalties, regardless of your age. The money that that money earns, however, has to be in there for at least five years and until you are 59 and a half years of age for you to withdraw the earnings of that money tax-free. When you start a Roth IRA, whether it's with a dollar, $10, whatever it may be, the five-year clock starts. This person, Susan, wants to know if she opens up now a new Roth IRA with Alliant, because obviously she wants to buy certificates of deposits there, mm-hmm. will the five-year clock start all over again? Yes. Well, you have to wait and think about I, it. I did think about it. You're positive you thought about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, every time you still open a new account, the clock gets reset. <laughs> no, Dan. You are so wrong, so wrong. It's not even funny, right? Every time you convert from a traditional to a Roth, that five-year clock starts all over again. When you are putting in money in a contributory Roth, which is what this is, she's going to open up a new Roth at Alliant. She has one at Vanguard. She could open up another one at Fidelity. It will all be based on the very first Roth she ever opened up. So the five-year clock started, my dear Susan, when you opened up the Roth IRA at Vanguard. Oh, I get it. You thought- But what if she takes money from Vanguard and puts it into- She can do that. It has no effect. It doesn't start Nothing, all over again? Nothing, no, okay. KT. There is no way you can manipulate this into you no, being okay. No, I'm, I'm listening. I thought for sure that that clock gets reset. And that's what I'm talking about, everybody. Yep, that's what she's talking about. No, seriously. I should know this one. No, that's not that you should or you shouldn't. There's That's not it. There is information out there that KT would have honest to God believed that she was right. And then her sister would have asked her a question, and she would have said, no, Lynn. That right? clock's going to get reset. The clock's going to get reset. And so wouldn't. misinformation is passed from one person to another person under the guise of absolute correct information. I actually would have said, ask Susie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, but since we mentioned Alliant and Roth IRAs, mm-hmm. I wanted Alliant, and all of you may know this, to create a retirement account, whether it's a Roth or a traditional IRA, where all you could buy within them were certificates of deposits. Because I didn't want you to be vulnerable to financial people saying, oh, buy this, buy that. So if you want safe money, they have fabulous interest rates going on right now. And you might want to look, believe it or not, at their three and five-year certificate of deposits, because 
I may be changing my theory from going really short term because interest rates are going up. I'm not sure treasuries are going to go a whole lot higher anymore. A lot has changed after Silicon Valley Bank went Mm -hmm. belly up. So if you're going to open up a Roth or a traditional with Alliant Credit Union, then you would go to myalliant.com and check it out right there if it's a retirement account. If you're just interested, by the way, in their really great interest rates for certificates to deposit outside of a retirement account, just go to myalliant.com slash ultimate. And that's how it works. And I have to tell you, their three and five year certificates of deposit are a good point, point and a half more than a three and five year treasury, everybody. So you might just want to take advantage of that. All right, KT. That's a wrap, Susie. It's a wrap. So everybody, until Sunday, when we are going to do a Susie school, let me say that again, when (laughs) I'm going to be doing a Susie school on what I think about I-bonds, interest rates, things like that. Also, um, Pioneer, because as many of you know, it skyrocketed. Exxon's going to think about buying it. I have many comments for all of you. So until then, however, there's only one thing that both Katie and I want you to say every single day. Say it, Katie. Today, wherever I go, I will create a peaceful joyful and loving world. That's my girl. And if you do that, we promise you, you will be unstoppable. Bye-bye now. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today, unstoppable today, unstoppable today, unstoppable today, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.